How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of my radio show, Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, so if you love the show so much that you want to hear the episodes the day they come out, that is every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, I'm a big fan of this episode because for the second time ever, I got to step away from the host mic and actually play one of the characters friend of the show Andy Moskowitz hosted this one for us so that he could interview Lewis Carroll played by comedian Boris Hyken and Marco Polo played by me if you like the show and you want to shoot us an email, uh, hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We love hearing from fans. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. That shit helps us out a ton. Uh, also, check out Hangout Party Fun Time. That's my other podcast. It's a show where I just hang out with a bunch of uh, stand-up comedians that I like. We drink, we talk trash, we talk about whatever we want. It's super-duper fun. You can also go to my website, jarrettberenstein.com, and... Uh, you know, see uh, both the podcasts and all the stuff I've written and all my live shows and all that great stuff. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Marco Polo and Lewis Carroll only on Famous Dead People. Famous dead people. It's time. Famous dead people. Time to start the show. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Oh, you know, famous dead people. Famous dead people. Famous stories stuck in the heads. Hello, uh, my name is Andy Moskowitz. I'm filling in for Jarrett Berenstein. And my guests today on Famous Dead People are English writer, mathematician, and logician Lewis Carroll. Hello. And v- Venetian merchant and explorer Marco Polo. Hola. Welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Carroll, I'd like to start with you. Um, you were born in 1832 in Cheshire, England, and by all accounts, you were a, a brilliant child at the age of seven. Oh, stop it. Well, I'm just saying what Don't people... Don't be modest. <laughs> you know, I, by the age of seven, you were reading A Pilgrim's Progress. But when you enrolled in grammar school, you actually had trouble fitting in with the other kids. It was a, a sort of a period of turmoil for you. I was hoping you could tell us a little more about that. I had a little bit of a stutter. And so I was kind of self-conscious about it. And I couldn't tell whether other people knew about my stutter. It wasn't even the stutter. I think it was the getting into my head about the stutter that kind of really made me ostracize myself. Mm, Sometimes you feel like, uh, you know, everybody knows the bad thing about you more than they actually do. Right. They're worried about their own stutters. Yeah, yeah. It's a a big problem with kids being, you know, so self-conscious, you know. Well, yeah, so it does sound like you were really self-conscious. I mean, how did that that manifest itself in your behaviors? Were you you sort of subconsciously pushing people away or? I I ended up kind of staying at home, hanging out with my siblings or with other children. Uh, I was afraid to do it in front of adults more than anything. Uh-huh. Adults can be pretty cruel, too, you oh, know? definitely, yeah. With kids, there's an excuse that they're kids, but when adults do it, why? So, so the adults in your life were actually coming down on you hard about this stuttering problem? Uh, I, I don't, you know, I think, again, it was mostly in my head. I was afraid of them. Yeah, it was me. I was the construct of my own ostracism. Yeah, you know, that that's that's interesting. Uh, you know, I I'm wondering. I mean, now looking back, do you feel like um, do you feel like you were might have been overreacting, or do you feel like that you had a reason to be afraid of these people in your life? There's always reason to be afraid of people. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's a very scary thing to say. Yeah, I mean, I can't look back and see an alternate timeline. You know, it, it was what it was. And I and I remained safe due to my own ostracism. So who knows? I could have wound up dead if I left the house at a certain point when I decided not to. Well, I guess that's I guess that's always true. I mean, I guess you could die at any point, right? I mean, I, mean, I suppose you know, scaffolding could collapse and fall on your head, or yeah, exactly. There's something. danger in the way you can slip and fall on the soap in the shower. You can die that way, you know. Like, Easily, everything you do is dangerous. I had the opposite philosophy, though, you know, like. I could die anyway, so I might as well go out and do things, you know? 
Well, that's very brave of you. Yeah, you know, I just live my life. Well, we can't always be that brave, all of us. I'm not trying to make me suck my own dick over here. I'm just saying, you know, like, <laughs> you can't just lock yourself in a room and not do anything for Unless your whole life. Unless you can suck your own dick. That is, I mean, you know. Well, well I, I think it's worth noting out that, Mr. Carroll, you actually did go out and accomplish quite a bit. Um, although, I have to say, I mean, you eventually enrolled in at Oxford, which was your father's alma mater, and you succeeded uh, at mathematics, but you later admitted that you didn't always apply yourself, and you even lost a scholarship due to poor grades. So was was this part of this sort of, were you retreating into this cocoon, or, or were you sort of the type of student that just wasn't interested in things you weren't interested I in? I just didn't always feel challenged. Typical Bart Simpson story, you know. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious. Like, you you loved math. You, you what what drew you to math? Puzzles, putting things together. <laughs> Sometimes, what is what is so funny about puzzles? I take puzzles very seriously. No, I you know I just think it's a funny the way you say. Oh well, one way or another, however you want to say it. A puzzle is very satisfying because there's a tension the entire time until the puzzle's solved. Do you mean to say that you, you're focusing your attention on one one specific problem rather than dealing with something that might be more uh, amorphous? Yes, but not just attention, but tension. Oh, tension. Yes. Oh, I see. Attention. A. Attention. attention. Yeah, A space. I have attention. an I have an attention for A. Attention. Attention. Yeah. I wanted. I want. I was trying to build that. Well, I, don't say it before me. Yeah, I got to build the you're tension. You're right. You're right. That was. You're right. You were. You're right. relieving. You're solving my. See, I build a puzzle when I say A. Tension. Whoa, and I whoa. solve it. Do wow, I, my heart was in my throat that? there. That's what math feels I like really to me. I really felt that. I really felt that going through my bones. That's what math feels like to me. Hmm. Well, uh, Mr. Polo, I want, I want to turn to you uh, for a bit. Um, you were born in Venice in 1254 see, see. <laughs> to a traveling merchant father named Niccolo Polo. Uh, and, and you didn't even meet him until you were 15 years old. No, I didn't know you were supposed to have a father oh, when I was sad. growing up because I just didn't know he was never around. You know? Well, you didn't you didn't see the other children with a father and wonder, where where is my father? No, I thought they just all had the old friends, you know? <laughs> I thought all these kids had the old friends. I say, I think it's a weird that I, don't, I hadn't made any friends who was like a lot older than me. And so I would like go out to the store and I would talk to older people and be like, we maybe we should go out and play sometimes. And they would make a funny face and then go away. Like they I was saying something weird. I, I know how it sounds now as an, I'm an adult, you know? Yeah. But at the time I was like, I just need to have an older man, a friend, like everybody else does, you know? I mean, just hard, I'm just wondering, no adult at any point in your life said, to you, you know, your your father, who's supposed to be here, is away on a trip right now. I mean, people probably like explain it to me, but you know, sometimes a, you know, a kid can have trouble with some uh, some uh, you know core concepts. You we know? have a way of shutting uh -huh. it out. Yeah, like a like object of permanence. You know, like you don't develop that until later. Right. I didn't have the logic part of my brain that said, "Hey, this is your dad is away." You, you were know? playing a long game of peekaboo. There you go. With we your father. A, we were playing a, a very long uh, hide-and-go-seek. He was very good at it. Wow. 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 Yeah. That's that's funny and, and also somewhat tragic. Yeah, you know, but I mean, think about how it felt when this guy shows up and he's like, "My, you, I'm your father. Like, it was, was a lot of emotions coming out right away. You yeah, know? I want to know. I, I mean, because he, he comes back from a journey he's been on since before you were born. Easy. You're 15 years old. You, you didn't even know you were supposed supposed to have a, a father you just wanted an old friend yeah yeah i know and here he is well what are you thinking i just uh oh my god uh it's i uh, finally i have this old man that is supposed to be hanging out with me all the time you know and uh at this point i'm like a 15 years old and you know life expectancy being what it was i was already like looking for a wife and stuff at that time you know mm -hmm. so i was like i kind of missed out on the fun part you know throw another baseball around uh, we, we didn't have that back then we would have the um you know the pig that you would just kind of kick 
But you kicked you know, a pig. You kick a pig. That's like the fun thing that used to it do. It was popular in Venice at yeah, the time. Yeah, at the time you would just kick a pig. You know, there was no, um, there wasn't like a points or anything. Uh-huh. You know, you just kind of did it and would it was a fun. You kick the pig to someone else or just no, you just kick take it. turns kicking you know, a pig? You just kick it. You even take a turns. Like sometimes you take a two and then someone else goes a once and then you do two again. There were no, there was no rules, you know. Wow. Pigs you just, can be very big. Oh, That's yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, it was a fun, you know, but that was also... One of the things that was fun to do, because sometimes you kick a small pig, it's different than if you kick a bigger pig. Mm-hmm. Have you killed a pig in such a game? Oh, definitely. There's a lot of dead pigs. That's where prosciutto comes from. From Prosciutto, prosciutto comes from pigs that have specifically been kicked, kicked to death. death. When you play and kick the pig, that's that, where prosciutto comes from. Well, that's, is, that's why prosciutto is Italian for kick a pig. I, <laughs> prosciutto means kick a pig. Yeah, I, I have a know. question. Yeah, go ahead. What if you kick the pig, but then you're not sure if the pig died due to said kick, or maybe there's some other natural circumstances well, that we happened? Well, we weren't fucking assholes about it. You know, like, if you kick a pig and he died a heart attack, you would still make him in prosciutto, you know? It's still prosciutto. Yeah, exactly. You know, we weren't, uh, what do you say, uh, sticklers about it. You mm-hmm. know, we were like, let's not be fucking assholes he, we kick a pig and now he's a dead, so now he's a prosciutto. You know. Well, Very that makes fair. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it explains why prosciutto is uh, such a tender, mm-hmm. uh, such a tender meat. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, you're 17 years old, and you set off with your father, Niccolo Polo, who I assume by this point you know is your yeah, father. Yeah, he's my dad. Okay. Well, we had like a, a three or four months when I was like, "Hey, buddy, hey, pal." And he was like, no, I'm your daddy. And I was like, okay, uh, this is going to take us. I'm getting used to it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, then eventually I was like, oh, hey, this is my dad. And, you know, uh, he's the man who uh, had a sex with my mom. And that's what I came from, you know? He just wasn't there to show you how to kick a pig. Exactly. You know, I had to kick a pig with my fucking friend's dad, who I also thought was a friend whose name was a, uh, uh, Pasquale. <laughs> You know, and I was like, maybe I can be Pasquale's friend, too. And then he gave me that funny look, which, again, I know what it means now, but still. Because he taught you how to kick a pig, but he never had sex <clears throat> with your mom. Never had sex. That's, that's the difference between a regular dude and the guy who is your dad. Is he eventually has sex with your mom, and then that makes you. Well, for this guy who you didn't even know was your father until he had to remind you over the course of four months. See, see many times. It took a while for that to sink in, you know. I, I think it's pretty remarkable that you actually set off with him and his brother, Maffeo Polo. Maffeo. Mm, on what would become your famous 24-year journey to see, Asia. See, you got to say yes in a life. That's uh, something I believe, you know. So here you are, your 17-year-old kid, uh, with your uncle and your father, who were already famous explorers in their own right. At the time, did you have any idea that you, Marco Polo, would be the person that people remember 700 years later? No, no, not even a little bit. I was just so happy to be doing things besides just hanging around in my hometown, you know? I was going out and seeing interesting places and meeting all sorts of weird-looking people with completely fucked-up customs and, you know, weird old fucking ways of dressing. It was like, you know, get it to fucking gather, everybody else. Like, we do this the right way here in Venice. Why don't you fucking get with the program? Well, you know? I have to say, that seems like a pretty uh, sort of geocentric attitude for, for an explorer oh, to yeah. other cultures to have. No, I didn't want to go out and, like, find a bunch of shit and then like do that shit i wanted to go out and tell people you're doing your life wrong settler you fucking what, a, a settler a settler well i didn't want to leave there i just wanted to go there and give them the right way to do things and then go back home well, you and... sound like a missionary is what you actually say oh that's a, yeah that's a fair yeah. you know? yeah. but i also don't fuck with religion because that's a fucking bullshit mm-hmm you know, I, that, that's interesting. I can't imagine having that attitude lent itself well to uh, sort of continental exploration. Well, you would be surprised, like, how many times I would talk to people about how dumb what they were doing was, and they would be like, I fucking know, man. Like, I was just, <laughs> really? Yeah, there's a lot of times. They were, like, they were just waiting for yeah, someone. Yeah, somebody just be like, I don't fucking know why we dress like such fucking assholes all the time, you know? And so I would be like, you guys got to stop. This is dumb. You know, you got to do like what we do back in Venice, you know? Well, I, have, I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of... <laughs> I, I, 
gotta say I find that hard to believe, Mr. Polo. I, that, that's the reason why my book sold so well, because people were like, I can't believe this. It's a page turner, because people are like, I don't believe, I can't believe, this is so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I understand, obviously, we have cultural differences. We, 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 we can be surprised by, by the differences in a culture. But, but really, these people were actually admitting to you. Oh, yeah, that they, yeah. That, that, they, that they wish they could be more like you. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, Okay, okay. Well, um, I, and there was nobody, at no point in your journey did someone say to you, um, you know, I don't really appreciate the way well, that... Well, that happened a couple times, okay. you know. A couple times you'd be a person who's like, no, this is my culture. This is how we do. This is uh, what we do here in this place, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like you then, were really bored in those Oh, moments. yeah. No, definitely. Because I was just like, I came here to do you a fucking favor, man. I'm doing you the good shit, you know? Like, this is the info. This is the way you live with your life, you know, so that you don't be such a fucking moron all the time. But, you know, and then uh, they, they could take the advice or they could not take the advice. You Would know? they ever double down and say, no, you're yeah, doing it wrong? Yeah, this one dude, I was, we were fucking in, uh, what do you call it now, China? That's what we call it. <laughs> we called it that back then. But, uh, we were there and this dude, he was like, fuck you, Marco Polo. And he came back the next day. He was even more a china <laughs> China used to be even more Chinese. He was even more. He doubled down on his own culture. Yeah, China used big. to be half as Chinese before you got there. It's kind of like the Hasidic Jews that left Germany and became even and more, became even more Jewish, even more Jewish as a yeah. response. You did that in China this with guy, the Chinese. I couldn't believe this fucking guy. He came out of his little hut and he was like, "Look at me!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like." Ten times or more uh, the dumb shit that I was telling you about <laughs> yesterday, and you're doing all of it at once. This is fucking insane, you know. But hey, you know, I I I, I try. I give you the, here's the way you should live your life. And if you don't want to do that, then I'm like, ah, all right, fungugu. I'm gonna go back on my ship and go somewhere better. All right. Well, if you are just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are English writer, mathematician, and logician Lewis Carroll, hello, and Venetian merchant and explorer Marco Polo. See, see, that's me. So, uh, Mr. Carroll, I want to get back to you for a moment. Um, like your father, your grandfather, and your great grandfather, you were a member of the Church of England, though you and and though you openly professed faith in Jesus, you admitted you were not a quote high churchman. And you also rejected the idea of becoming a priest. Considering your great-grandfather was a bishop and your father took holy orders, why were you so reluctant to fully embrace the church? It's not enough puzzles. Mm. Not enough puzzles. I would look at it and I would try to find, there's some stories in here, but is, is there some solutions, some math problems? There was nothing like that. So you felt that the church sort of the church provided all of the answers and you wanted more questions to figure out. Very, very well put. Thank you. Oh, oh thank you. That's a very, very good. Much. You think maybe because uh, I saw the Da Vinci Code? You know the Da Vinci Code? I've heard of it. So I haven't this, seen it. It's like about religion and also mm-hmm. uh, how there's a puzzles in the religion. Kind of conspiracy theory. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe if that had been... Around when you were a young boy, maybe you would have liked the puzzles. Oh, I would have loved it if somebody stuck some puzzles into all that. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You know, they say there's a a lot of religious art. There's sort of coded references to things that takes a lot of historical knowledge to interpret. Did that uh, that ever appeal to you at all? I haven't seen it. (laughs) Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Uh, so, was there anything about religion itself? I mean, I mean, well, I mean, we already went over the question answer thing. Was there anything? I mean, because you did profess a great faith in Jesus. I Christ. love Jesus. You do. Okay, love him. What's your What's your favorite thing about Jesus? Um, everything. He was nice. He died for our sins. He um, suffered so that we can learn and and grow as humanity. You know, you are someone who has a lot of, uh, you put a lot into logic, and, um, you know, uh, and I'm wondering, is there anything about religion itself that you found illogical, or did it completely fit into your idea of how things should work? Just one. Not enough puzzles. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I sure didn't see that coming. Yeah, I know. I, I hear that. Um, one time, this is the worst thing I did when it comes to religion. I'm a very devout follower i respect it and i think we learn from the teachings of christ but one time i took a bible to a friend 
and had them cut it up into a jigsaw puzzle. And I put the Bible back together over the course of three weeks from shredded jigsaw puzzles. So you mean all of the, each individual page? Each individual page and the cover were cut up into jigsaw puzzles, and I taped them all back together to make the Bible complete again. And boy, was I relieved when I was done. <laughs> and, and after that point, I mean, were you like, I can tolerate religion more now? Maybe I'm, I want to be more interested in religion? Or I was already very interested. I was just eager to read the Bible again, and I knew I couldn't do it until I put the damn thing back together. Uh-huh. So, so that's interesting. So you use you, you, things that are, are, are may, might be more difficult for you, you can turn into a puzzle to make it more interesting. Exactly. Uh-huh. Any, anything else in your life that you did that with? Cut into pieces and then put back together like a puzzle. Yeah. Well, there was a family. I don't know how much you've heard about me, but I used to hang out with a family and their children. And I would... The the Liddells? The Liddells. Uh And I would cut up the outfits of some of the children into puzzle pieces. And they couldn't put them on I can't until imagine we the Liddells put the like outfits that. back together. It seems really creepy. They'll yeah. cut up a little kid's clothes. It's very innocent. It's just an appreciation for puzzles and children combined into one. Well, we will definitely <laughs> come back to that. Um, but I did want to ask you, um, you eventually became a math professor at Oxford, and you published a philosoph- – speaking of puzzles, mm-hmm. you, you published a philosophical argument on deductive reasoning in the form of a dialogue between the Greek mythological figure Achilles and a tortoise. I was just wondering, could you take us through this dialogue and tell us, like, what it proves? Oh, this is interesting. I want to hear this. Yes, certainly. Uh, so you're familiar with Achilles. He was – uh, dipped in a river and protected from all harm, except that his mother held him by his heel. Mm-hmm. And you're familiar with uh, the tortoise. It wins a race going relatively slowly. Mm-hmm. Achilles being strong should be faster than a tortoise. And yet we know from the proverb that the tortoise beats the very quick hare. Now, if the tortoise... And the hare are aware of Achilles, but then they stare and think, what is his problem that he is godlike and yet has such a weakness that would cause him to fumble in battle? So, <laughs> the t- <laughs> I think I see where this is going. You're this following so far, <laughs> correct? So, The tortoise says to the hare, one moment, beware while I go talk to the god that's standing over there. The hare says, one moment, I'll be around the corner. You just talk to Achilles and see what he wants. (laughs) So (laughs) Achilles stumbles in and he is limping (laughs) and the hare is wondering why the god is suddenly a gimpsy and Achilles says it's because my mom held on to my heel and now I can feel any pain and it's real even though I'm a god and I should not so The tortoise says, I am but a tortoise and normally slow, this is going but anywhere really I want to, I can go because I have not one but four heels and every one of them is real because the rest of me is the same material that is but flesh and blood. You feel? <laughs> so the whole dialogue was to point out that someone who's entirely flesh and blood will always win against someone who's a mixture um, of think, God and flesh? I think you're missing the point here. Oh, I, am I missing it? It's totally clear to me. Oh, I get uh, it. Oh, no, no, what? So. <laughs> uh, <okay>. You actually... <laughs> oh, and there's more also. <laughs> well, if I were to tell the whole thing, it would take a very long time uh, because it is similar to... Are you familiar with the concept of pi, the mathematical concept uh, of pi. Yeah, yeah. So similarly, there's no ending to the proverb, but I can, I, I add to it infinitely every time oh, I'm oh, asked. Oh, like pi is repeating digits. So there's exactly. Okay, but you did get some of the theme, which is that when you're used to invincibility, that a weakness can feel much greater. But when you're a tortoise and everyone's a hater, you can just depend on your ability and your. Uh, and your weaknesses in order to 
to be comfortable with them. Well, that's that's utterly fascinating. <laughs> well, children love it, um, and I love them. So, uh, well, I, it's, I, we will get back to your uh, love of children. I can't let that go unaddressed. Um, but, Mr. Polo, uh, I wanted to— Did you say undressed? Un, unaddressed. Un- <laughs> addressed. I yeah. see. Uh, very good. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Polo, so you returned to Venice after a 24-year journey. Yes, see, um, see. You were, captured, you were captured by the Genoans, and you yeah. spent several yeah, months Welcome home, right? <laughs> yeah. You welcome had no idea that a war was going on. No, but I was like, well, I guess i got to fight now, you know? Well, during your period of imprisonment, uh, imprisonment, you told your cellmate, a man named Rusticello de Pisa. Rusticello de Pisa. Um, all about your travels, and he ended up writing down the book that ended up making you famous, The Travels of Marco Polo. See, si, see. Si. Now, to this day, scholars debate how much of the book is true and how much to Pisa, who was a professional romance novelist, might have exaggerated. So I'm hoping we can settle, like, once and for all, was anything made up? If so, what was it? Was there things he wanted to put in that didn't get in or things you wanted to put in that didn't get in? No, what happened was I told him the story, and... Uh... There was a lot of points where he was like, he's, his mind is blown, you know? He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. And I was like, either totally happened, like 100%. And he's like, nobody's going to fucking believe that. And I go, no, but that's what happened. And so what he did was he took out of some really good stuff that, like, really happened, and he put in some, like, really normal stuff instead. So, like, all so the, the truth is actually more... It's fa- fucking insane, man. So he would put in something like, and then they sailed to the next place. And I'm like, that is another what happened. What happened was a Cthulhu came and he picked pick up our boat. Wait, I'm sorry. C- could, Cthulhu, Cthulhu, the Lovecraft mythical <laughs> creature from the ocean. Yes. So he picked up the boat. He threw us to the next place. He threw us to the next he place. He threw you to the next place. He threw the ball to the next place. So, so, well, so that's you, good. That's yeah, well, very we, we convenient. Yeah, we got that really fast. So you, you traveled hundreds of miles in a matter of seconds. Yes, because of Mr. Cthulhu, he threw us the rest of the way. That's... And I told Mr. fucking what, Mr. Penman, uh, I said, tell me, you, this is, read it back to me. And he goes, okay, then you sailed to this place. And I said, no, I did not sail to this place. And he goes, uh, yeah, but I mean, we got to say that because... You know, no one's going to believe a Mr. Cthulhu throw the ball the whole way. I have two questions. Okay. Is there a Mrs. Cthulhu? I mean, there can only there must be, otherwise he could be lonely. And does that mean <laughs> there are a child Cthulhu? There may be. I don't know. I didn't talk to him that much, but he definitely just uh, when he was picking up the ball, we we talked a little bit, and he definitely sounded like he was still playing the field. So. <laughs> I would love to photograph a child I don't know. Cthulhu. I don't know if there was a, if he, he's going to settle down and make his family anytime soon, you know? A rebel without a cause, Cthulhu. <laughs> Many more types of Cthulhus than I had previously accounted oh, definitely for. definitely at least two, yeah. <laughs> no, that, no, that's interesting. So you, Marco Polo, the great sailor, the great seafarer, was actually being a Thrown well, no, that was just one time. Just one time. Just okay. one time. But like I said, we had a lot of voyages. I'm just saying that every time something boring happened in the book that uh-huh. seems like, oh, definitely that happened, it was something way cooler, way better. Changed for believability. Exactly, yes. Well, the initial reason you went to China was to deliver uh, sacred oil and letters from the Pope to Kublai Khan. See, si, see. Si. And when you got there, Kublai Khan actually, he took a shine to you, and he actually decided you weren't allowed to leave China, so you yeah. couldn't continue on. I'm just curious, uh, what was Kublai Khan like, and why did he uh, take to you so much? He was a good guy. We had a lot in common. Like, we liked the same music. You know, we like it when people play that uh, mandolin, uh-huh. and we, you know, play really fast and you can dance. You know, and he loved to dance. And sometimes we would dance so much that we would have, um, we would break our feet and we would have to sit up. You would would physically break break your feet. Because we would dance so much. And so we would get our feet uh, tied up so that they could heal, you know? So much dancing. It was a lot of dancing. But then we didn't want to stop dancing. And so we would dance with the top of half of our bodies only. 
so that Afida could heal, you know? Like the worm. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is that people say, he didn't let me leave. It was because we kept on breaking our feet with dancing, so I couldn't leave. It's I like know? the opposite of the movie Footloose. Exactly. <laughs> Foot <laughs> broke. Foot broke. Yeah, and it's so, it's so, so interesting. So you, you knew you had further stops on your journey to make, but mm. at no point did you think to yourself, I, I better stop dancing because every time I do it, I break my It fleet. was too fun. It, it was way too fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess say, if you never, I'll play you the song that we dance to, you know, but when you listen to it, you go, I'm going to dance to this song until my fucking feet a break. But oh, I don't, don't want to break my feet. Well, then, can, well, can you, we'll play was the there the lyrics again. of the song? Could you sing a little bit? There were. I'll, I'll do a little bit for you. It was like, a, hey, everybody, hey, get on up. Hey, everybody, get Get up on the dance Mr. floor. Mr. Mike. Carroll is get dancing up, in the studio uh, against no. his own will, get it seems like. Oh, there's, no. a more, there's a more to it. I'll, I'll sing it for you later. Oh. All right. Well, we've got to take a short break, but we will be right back with Lewis Carroll and Marco Polo. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or on whatever app it is that you're using to listen to this show. Uh, if you're so inclined, rate us five stars. Leave a comment. You could tell us how much you love us or hate us. I love constructive criticism. Uh, that stuff helps us out a ton. Tell your friends about us. Get your friends to listen to Famous Dead People. I would really appreciate that. And uh, hit us up at Famous Dead People Show at gmail.com if you want to shout some criticism into my electronic face or if you want to hear a specific Famous Dead person on this show. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear that you're listening. I want some feedback, damn it. Uh, so yeah, lastly, if you really like the show and you want to send us some money to help keep us on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support This Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People is the only show that resurrects famous dead people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your guest host, Andy Moskowitz, sitting in for Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are English writer, mathematician, and logician Lewis Carroll, and Venetian merchant and explorer Marco Polo. Hey, hey. So, uh, Mr. Carroll, um, I want to go back to your childhood for a moment. Um, mm -hmm. You wrote and illustrated a magazine called Mishmash for the entertainment of your family. And it's notable for having an early draft of your famous poem, The Jabberwocky. Now, at the time, did you know that these sort of fanciful stories you were writing would end up being your claim to fame? Or did you think of them as sort of distractions, entertaining distractions? I thought it was just for fun at the time. I thought I'd either become a priest or a mathematician. Mm -hmm. Those were the two trades that I was choosing between. So... Uh... This was sort of just something you were doing for fun, but you, clearly you had a real passion for it. I had a knack, but the whole family was doing it. It was a whole family magazine. Oh, really? Everybody would write stories, and some of them would have characters like the Jabber, kind of like a Ch Cthulhu. Oh, like a Cthulhu? Like a Cthulhu. That's what a Jabberwocky kind of is like. Ah. It's like a land Cthulhu. Oh, okay. Like, a more, like an evolved Cthulhu. Oh, we call this a Bigfoot, which we also met on my trip. You met a big foot. Yeah, we met a couple big foot. Oh. We got them a couple big feet. A uh, couple of big feet, and then you got a couple <laughs> broke feet. I know. I tell them I could have used your big feet when I was dancing back in the China. Would it? Is it? It's multiple big feet, and then would it be a? If it's a whole group, a school or like a, a shoe store of. <laughs> Of big feet. Okay, come on, Mr. Carroll, you can do better than this. Do you do yoga? Because that is a stretch. <laughs> oh. Well, I do do <laughs> yoga actually now. Um, but as I was saying, my whole family was writing pieces for a Mishmash magazine. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So, so even your father, who was a sort of a deadly serious uh, clergy member in the Church of England, even he was... was he wrote one-word stories. One-word stories. How did that... What is a one-word story? What's your favorite... Uh, he had one that was um... ah. So t tell me, like, what is that? Ooh. What is the story there? That's a that's a that's a horror horror story. Well, we would read them out loud, so it was sort of in the performance, and he would scream it better than I ever could. No, don't, don't uh, sell yourself a short. That was a pretty good. Oh, thank you. That was pretty good, actually. I was it was uh, a 
tension built. Well, someone had to take over for the family eventually, so uh, I suppose I grew into it. Well, that's 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 really good to know. You uh, know what it is? I think his screams were so good that I had to be so verbose and articulate in order to even compete with what he could do with just one primal sound. How about that? So a lot of your uh, uh, motivation was actually trying to compete with your father. To overcompensate for the fact that I... I couldn't move people the way he could with just one guttural noise. Well, that's incredible. What are some? I mean, what, what's another example of a time when he used one word to 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 uh, exert influence on someone? Uh, one time, we were uh, sitting sitting in a circle, reading each other our pieces, and he looked at my mother and stood up in front of everyone and just said, "Dinner." Ooh. And what happened? Well, we all thought it was a story, but it turned out that it was a <laughs> subtle threat. <laughs> There was no, there was no food done, but we were very moved at the time. She was physically moved. The rest of us were emotionally moved. Um, well, I want to get into. I want to jump forward now in the future, um, and we're getting into the Liddells now. So, mm-hmm. uh, when you were at Oxford, uh, you let's. Were, <laughs> here we go. We're in dicey territory right now. Uh, you befriended what? one of the deans, and well, you know, I, there's just rumors. Uh, maybe we can put them to bed right very now. Very who to bed? <laughs> put, put the rumors. You are doing yourself no favors here, buddy. I'm just speaking. Um, well, anyway, so you befriended uh, a dean, Henry Liddell, as well as his, as his young daughter, Alice. And it's actually Alice to whom you narrated the initial outline to what eventually became Alice, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. She loved it. Uh, she was actually the one who begged you to write this down. She loved it so much. Um, so first... I want to know, well, I should say, throughout the rest of your life, you denied that Alice Liddell was the inspiration for Alice in Wonderland. I dedicated books to lots of children. It's true. You did do that. If we, if you go back, you've done acrostic poems for numerous children in your life. And none of them Alice. were characters in those books. That That is true. So um, it sounds like you are still denying this. But there's nothing to deny. So, Alice was my friend. I wrote a story. It was a very popular name at the time. You know, it would be like if someone's name was Dave, and then because I wrote a book with a character named Dave, they'd make it all about them. Well, I guess that's true. But it seems like you had a very special affinity for this young girl, Alice, that can't really be explained. Great child. What was so great about Alice? (laughs) We would walk and talk and take trips and she was just very precocious and we had great times together and that's all there is to it but it seems like there were numerous i mean you were a professor you had students that you could talk to you had other professors you could talk to boring so many of them so boring this is exactly what i wanted when i was a kid with no dad is like an old person to hang out with Exactly. Oh, I think it's so cool that you did this with a girl, Alice. It's know? a shame we didn't meet when you were younger and also a girl for some reason. <laughs> or would you only hang some... out with little girls? I, I, I found an affinity for Alice and maybe, maybe a dozen or so other little girls. Wow, this okay. is uh, this breaks my young heart because I think about me as a little boy, and I think about all the old men that I went up to. And wanted to be friends, and sometimes they would go play with little girls instead, and so I would get really sad. So. Well, if only you found this one and also a wig. I see. Here's the, I just, you know, there's a lot to ask of me. You know, I'm a little boy. You know, I just want to be a little boy thing. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. You know what? Uh, it's getting pretty real here on Famous Dead People. Um, you know, one other thing I, I have to say is that you were known for photographing all of these young girls that you were friendly with. You oh. were, it was like a side project this of yours. This is getting creepy now. What? Uh, and I was just wondering, like, why? It seems like you had something A artistic. talent for <laughs> photography. Well, that's, yes, yeah, yes, you did, clearly. But Sorry, I didn't mean to finish your sentence, but <laughs> no, it felt like we were well, on the same page. I, you can't deny you had a talent for it, but your choice of subject was constantly little girls. And I'm just curious as to what drew you to that as an artist. They were my friends. They were your friends. That's it. 
there was a, I got a lot of friends who I was like totally cool with not taking pictures of all the time. Well, you didn't have the talent that I had. Okay, well, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm the well, one who fucking traveled to all the fucking weirdo places, okay? I, w- I went to you Russia. You fucking go to weirdo places. I went to Russia. You think Russia is a weirdo place? It can I be. I could tell you fucking stories, man, that would turn your fucking hair white. Well, if there's no children, I'm not interested. See, this is, you just keep on making same the things that sound so fucking creepy. I don't know why you're making them creepy. I'm just friends with children Seems and I like will not be ashamed. For every <laughs> denial, there's like three coded ad- admissions. It's a little bit like watching Donald Trump these days. That's what I was just thinking, actually. You're talking as if literally everyone wasn't a child at some point. No, I mean, we all were children. That's a fair. Okay. And when you were, I, we would have been buddies. If I had been a girl, you fucking creepy, creepy old man. I'm not all right, creepy. Okay, all right, I would have taken right. your gonna, photos. We're going to move on here, Mr. Polo. Um, no, Mr. Polo, so you finally got to leave China in uh, 1292. We stopped dancing because of my mandolin broke. Oh, so that's oh, interesting. Glad yeah. to know. Um, so you accompanied a wedding party to Persia. You eventually made it to the city of Trabzon. But during the journey, only 18 people survived out of 600 people in the entire convoy. See, see. And you, your your father, and your uncle all survived. Um, see, see. So it seems like you're not a religious person. But, I mean, at this point, 18 out of six, 600 and all three of you survived. I mean, you must have been thinking something's looking out for me, right? No, it was because we were uh, better at traveling than these people. Like, we had learned all the little tricks that you do when you want to survive a longer distance, you know? Can and I get a couple travel tips? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, we would tell these people, you know, like, I was big on trying to teach people how to live better and live a little less like a weirdo from a different weirdo place. But nobody would listen. They would just be like, I mean, a couple people listen, obviously, because there was like a, a 15 or more people that survived. Those were the ones that did what we did, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, if you was on a boat and you wanted to go like fishing, you know, what you should do is tie a rope, not only to your waist, but also to your genitals. And because the genital rope, you need it to, like, triangulate. You know, it needs to be at two places. So you got to have one rope that is attached to your waist and another rope that is attached to your genitals. What's the other end wait. of the rope tied oh, to? Well, they're both attached to something wait, on the boat. Wait, you wait, know? but let's say you're out in the ocean and okay. a very large fish gets on this hook. Yeah, see, all this happens all the time. It's going to... Pull on your genitals. No, no, we didn't. Oh, my God, you're so stupid. Okay, so we didn't put the rope on our dicks into the water for the fish to bite. Oh. We would tie the, the rope on our That dick. would be ridiculous. That would we tie the rope on our, our penis to the ship so that we didn't get a bump around, you know? Oh, okay. That make more sense? But then if the ship lurches, yes. it, that... Pulls your dick off. Yeah, and then, you know, sometimes if it's just right, you can have a really crazy orgasm. It seems like you're walking of a, a very risky scenario. Can right? I ask? That's what we like. We like how dangerous it was. Uh, <laughs> the ship that you were traveling on. See? How old was the ship? Oh, God, maybe... Maybe he's about a couple years old. Like maybe he, he was like a 10, 15 years old. So it was like had been on the one or two trips beforehand. Hmm. Well, why do you ask? Oh, so you say that because of this boat was a part of my orgasm that maybe I'm a weirdo like yourself? No, don't okay, all right, all right. I'm I just saying. What you're I'm on, just guys. saying. I only took photos. You're possibly getting ten-year-old <laughs> boat orgasms. Fifteen. It's a fifteen-year-old boat. Okay. Well, this I want to see some identification. This was illegal right. when I was a when I was alive. Okay. Like, uh, just In Brazil, the, maybe. As far as we know, as far as we know, it was just a uh, travel tip. That's all it was. Yeah. And it worked. It, it clearly it worked. Yeah, just the travel sur- tip. Because we and, survived. Just the travel. Just the travel. I see what you do there. That's a good uh, high five, buddy. You know, and Mr. Carroll also has technically not admitted anything, so we have to just keep that in mind. Okay, all right. It just seems real weird. Everyone keeps saying that, and yet (laughs) I live on. Well, Mr. Polo, uh, you finally get back to Venice, 
and uh, after your period in jail, you marry, you have three kids, and around this time, we don't know if it's you, but there is a Marco, Marco Polo mentioned in historical documents as having participated in riots against the aristocratic government and actually having faced the death penalty, but uh, ultimately escaping. So I, I, historians would love to know, um, was this you? And if so, why were you rioting? Well, no, here's the thing is that I was rioting, but the one they're talking about is a different Marco Polo. Really? So I did all the things that this Marco Polo did, uh-huh. but they were talking about that Marco Polo. I was doing it right next to him. That is physically right next to him. <laughs> it was a really weird coincidence. So when you, you faced the death penalty together next yeah, to Yeah, we each were other. next to each other, and we kept on having to say, which one do you mean? Because we are both the name of Marco Polo. You wow, know? that is so confusing. That's the reason why we get off, because the judge got so tired of listening to it. He was like, I don't want to see either of you Marco Polos ever again. So it, get out. It's like that Jet Li movie, The One. Where they don't know which one to shoot. Um, yeah, that's a th- yeah. I remember that movie. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, well does that answer? Oh, so why were we riding? Yeah, why were we riding? Yeah. Oh, here's the thing. So I don't know if you uh, know this. Uh, uh, you know these uh, people in the world who they just they take a lot of money and then they use their money to make sure they get all the rest of the money. You know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And nowadays we call that the kleptocracy. Kleptocracy. Yeah. Exactly. So. These rich people, these fucking aristocratic people, they think we're so much better than everybody else because we have all of the money and we can control everybody. And so we were like, this is a fucking bullshit, you know. And so I had just been telling all of the weirdos in the China places and being like, we do it way much better. But then I come back home and it's a, it's a fucking bullshit over here. And I'm like, how am I going to tell all of my China people friends to come back here that this is a great place when this fucking bullshit is happening so I need That's to stop right. this because you actually went out and, and uh, bragged about how much better your culture was oh, to yeah. all these people so uh, well I had one a Chinese friend there was a riot going on he came up he was standing right next to me and he's like he's like oh so this is the better place huh? this is the better place he's being sarcastic well, he's I mean, the better place that, that, would, that would make anybody want to riot aristocrats they took and take all your shit and you don't do fucking anything about it and I was like I get it I get it and he's like, I don't think you get it because I'm going to be sarcastic. He thought I didn't pick up on it, but I fucking did. Well, for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are Lewis Carroll. Hello. And Marco Polo. Hello. Uh, so I want to get back to you real quick, uh, Mr. Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Alice's Adventure in Wonderland was an immediate success on publication. But before it was published, you considered a bunch of other titles. Uh, including Alice Among the Fairies, Alice's Golden Hour, and Alice's Adventures Underground. I'm just curious, um, uh, did you consider any other titles, and why did you settle on Alice's Adventures in Wonderland? Well, I didn't choose Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. My publisher chose Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Really? Yes. Uh, There were a couple other titles that he didn't even want publicized, uh, one of which was Alice and the other children pose for me. <laughs> okay, I might, I might see why, I might see why he went away from that one. Alice goes underground, but then comes back up, but her clothes stayed underground. <laughs> That's, okay, so yeah, I can see. This actually might, have, you might have had a good, good publisher here. Alice cannot put her clothes back on because I've turned them into a puzzle okay, that only puzzle, I right. could put back together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would. <laughs> no one gave me time. Yeah, wow. Well, you know, in retrospect, are you are you okay with the title? I think I think the title is one of those titles that's so uh it seems so uh, specific to why the book is successful. I am okay with the title because no one knows this, but there's a secret code in the letters. Really? And if you rearrange them and you use mathematics in order to translate them into certain languages and then back to English, it translates to child pornography. Okay, well, there we go. There it is. There it is. There we have it. Um, Seems like an admission to me. Uh, and, and I want to actually get on to speaking of names. Um, Lewis Carroll is actually a pen name. Your real name is Charles Ludwidge Dodgson. And very similarly, I arrived at my pen name just like I arrived at Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which, by the way, child pornography, I meant in a purely platonic 
That is I, a I real still stretch. Know if there that is, is a, a real stretch. Of pornography. Are, pornography has evolved over time, and it used to be very <laughs> chill and applicable to children. Uh, oh, it used to mean something else. It used to mean something different. What did it mean? It was different. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, how did you? Why did you feel the need to publish under a fake name? And and, and how did you come up with the name Lewis Carroll? So I took my. Uh, actual name and I translated into Latin and I translated that into a couple other languages and I ended back with Lewis Carroll and I had multiple spellings of Lewis and my publisher picked this spelling because he thought that it wouldn't translate back to child pornography but it does <laughs> it does it does well that's that's it seems like you were really, really focused on child pornography. I was focused on puzzles. Uh, a puzzle. Well, it is, a, it is technically a puzzle. It is uh, the answer to a puzzle. Uh, I'm going to just ask one more time. What did pornography used to mean, just so I can feel better? It used to mean nude photos. <laughs> that's, that's not... That's what the, the same thing it means today. The connotation was very different. No, okay. I think it's a big stretch. I think you're a bad man. I'm going to no. I'm gonna move on before you no. incriminate yourself. <laughs> um, Mr. Polo, uh, to this day, uh, some scholars debate whether or not you even made it to China. For example, uh, you describe things like paper money and, and the burning of coal, which are accurate, but you fail to mention some very notable things, including... The Great Wall of China, tea, the Chinese alphabet, chopsticks, and foot. Well, I guess you did mention foot Whoa. binding. Foot binding, yeah. When you when you uh, wrapped up your own broken feet. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, what it is. Well, these seem like really big omissions. How do you explain them? Well, I can go through each one of those and tell you why we why the reason why we either did not talk about it or why we didn't see it. So first of all, we got the Great Wall of China. Okay. Mm. The entire time I was there, I was facing the other way. <laughs> but wait. So I didn't see the ball. Wait, right? so you never it's turned almost, around. It's almost like all my friends kept on talking about other things besides the wall. Like they didn't want me to see it. You know, like let's say that you got like a sexy lady in your bed that you don't want your girlfriend to know about. Mm -hmm. And you keep on saying, oh, baby, look at what's on the TV. Oh, baby, look at what the neighbors are doing to, to distract away. That's what my friends in China kept on doing. Were they ashamed of the wall? I don't know. It never really came up. I didn't know about it because they kept on pointing me to other things. They'd be like, oh, check out the way that this guy fight. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, a check out this other regular wall. Exactly. They, they told me a lot of other walls. They didn't show me the great one. I, I find that so surprising. Surprising. The Great Wall of China is 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 such a symbol of national pride. I know. For, you know so. what's even weirder? One time they dress up a piece of the wall as a, another kind of wall. They say, check out this little wall here. And I was like, it's a little wall. How come How come this got like a, a lot of hair on the side uh -huh. you know, and stuff like that? And there's like a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, uh, bushes and stores and stuff. And they'll be like, we don't know what you're talking about. We just put a little piece of wall right here. Okay. Well, so they're going out of their way to actually physically disguise the wall from yeah, you. Yeah, he was a weird. I don't know why. I guess they maybe thought the wall could have been a greater. I don't know. Well, what about, what about tea? Everybody in China drinks tea. So they didn't. Okay, here's the thing is that uh, they gave me a little bit of tea to drink. And I was like, this is pretty good, you know. And then like a little while later, I was like, I'm not pretty sure they just had to put a little bit of dirt in the teacup and mix it with the water because I was like, this is this, this is just a fucking drinking mud. I, that's what I thought, you know. And so I was like, I am not going to, I'm not going to let these guys know that they tricked me into drinking the mud water. So I'm not even going to fucking mention it once. As far as everybody else knows, they just drink regular water like the rest of us in the wind. A little bit of wine, also. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that explains that. Um... Also, I mean, like, what if they want to trick somebody else? You know, like I can't. Tell them about the tea, because then they won't be able to trick people in the future. Well, you, you know? don't want to ruin their game, right? Exactly. Okay. Won't. Well, I understand that. It's um, like about, it's like posting about your scene in a Borat movie before they, they finish the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. Well, what about chopsticks? Clearly, clearly, you ate food while you were in China, and yeah. that would be something very new to to someone like yourself from Venice to eat with the chopsticks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We used to eat with the chopstick all the time. But me and my dad, what we used to do is we take uh, the chopsticks that we had. And we would put them together, and we tie a rope around it, and then we put another stick like below them, so we just make a giant fork, you know, with the chopsticks. <laughs> and we kept on being like 
oh, you know, like now we just have a regular fork. We thought that's what everybody did with the chopsticks, you know? We you say, thought we, they put together a fork every oh, time they we ate say, a meal. take four chopsticks and then another bigger ch- piece of wood and then put that on the top and make a big fork. That's what we thought chopsticks was. I'm imagining a very large fork. It's a pretty big fork, you know, but that's why... We didn't understand why everybody was so thin because we were eating so much more food because our fork was so big because we made it out of the chopstick, as I just mentioned. Well, did this fork that you created, did it catch on in China? Did other people start using it? No, or? we thought everybody was doing that already. Oh, you just assumed that people were doing that. Yeah, and yeah. when we see somebody not doing that, we thought, oh, this guy must be in a big hurry. Uh-huh. And he can't, doesn't have a time to must have thought a lot of it. people were in a hurry. Yeah, then. well, you know, it's a busy place. If you ever been... To China, people run around like a crazy. They got a lot of things to do, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, what about the what about the Chinese alphabet? I mean, you're used to sort of a, uh, a, a Roman alphabet, uh, but these these people in China have used pictorial symbols for for the alphabet. That must have blown your mind. I just thought it was uh, I just thought it was a cool tattoo that everybody had. You know, too? I thought everybody was writing down little cool tattoo ideas that they had. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, what does that mean? They'd be like, oh, this mean a peace, this mean a love, you know. And I was like, oh, that'll look really good on like, a, you know, college girls later on in life, you know. And then they said, yeah, but I didn't know that that was how they were communicating to each other, you know. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess so. It was a whole culture that prepared for lower for back a, tattoos, a bunch of tattoos hundreds yeah, of years exactly. later. So did you did you... Did you think that they didn't actually have a, a written communication system? or No, I just thought that they would, uh, you know, tell each other things. They had a really good memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had a really good memory. Yeah. All right. Well, um, last question for you I want to ask is um, y- you might know or you might not know that these days the, the name – when you say the name Marco Polo, actually most people, they don't think of you. They actually think of a game that you play in a swimming pool. Where you close your eyes. Yes. And then people call out Marco Polo like that. Exactly. Um, do you do you feel like that's sort of a, a reductive legacy for all you've accomplished? Or are you just happy to be No, remembered? because that happened. That happened. That's one of the things that the fucking Mr. Penman didn't put in my awesome book. The Mr. Pen? Mr. Oh, Penman. Oh, uh, that's what I call him is a derogatory nickname because he wrote down all my shit, but then he fucked the things up by not putting in the cool stuff, you know. Right. R- Rusticello de, de, Rusticello, de Pisa. Mr. Penman. Mr. Penman. I played Marco Polo. Did What's you when that? you were a little kid? Well, no, when I was an adult. <laughs> you played it as an adult. Did you play it with a child? I, with... don't, I don't think we want to know the answer to this I, I just, I, You're right. I shouldn't have asked. I played it with multiple children. Okay. okay. All right. Well, there it is. <laughs> Maybe we should move on before the police get here. Yeah. I broke my camera in the water. <laughs> you <laughs> Well, no, I, I do want to know that. So you, uh, Marco Polo, the game actually happened to you. No, it wasn't a game back then. It wasn't a game. No, so we got, we was in a boat, okay, and we got uh, washed by a big wave into this giant uh, cave, okay, and it got really, really dark. And then, um, I don't know what it was, maybe like a ghost or something, uh, maybe like the little monsters from the movie The Descent. Maybe they, they took everybody away, and people started to, to, to shout the, uh, one part of my name, but then the goblin would cover the mouth, you know? And so, so one guy would say a Marco, and I would start moving the boat over there to fucking get him, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I would go polo to let him know that I'm on my way, mm-hmm. you know? And then also... To let them know that I'm the one who's saving them because I want the credit. Uh-huh. So I can't, I can't get over the fact that these goblins, rather than <laughs> kill you, would just cover your mouth to prevent you from saying a full name. That was the extent of their aggression. Well, I don't want to tell you what their fucking deal was. You know, like, after we got out of there, I was like, I wish I could have talked to them and let them know how fucking weird they are being. You uh-huh. know? But, uh, you know, some people, they're really into their culture. Well, now you, so you've now, you've admitted to the existence of Cthulhu and possibly a, a Mrs. Cthulhu mm-hmm. and, and sort of goblin creatures. Trick, tricky little cave goblin creatures. Um, Don't there, forget the big feet also. On the big foot, of course. Yeah. Are there any other uh, sort of uh, 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 A whole Nike shoe store of big feet. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're really going back to that one. That's a good callback. Uh, other mystical, so we got, uh, let's see here. You know that unicorns, they are real. The what? Unicorns are real, but it's not just the one horn. They always have five horns. So they're quinta, horn, quinta, quinta horns. Quinta horns, yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, they start from the nose and they go up like a mohawk. And then there's one that comes out of one nipple. <laughs> 
Just, just one nipple. More horns come out as they get older? No, they're born with all of them. It's a very painful birth. Oh, I see. That's got to be. I can only assume. That's got to be terrible. Uh, well, uh, guys, this has been, <laughs> this has been fantastic. Uh, very illuminating. Um, so good to have you both. Um, I'd like to thank my guests, uh, of course, Lewis Carroll. I've admitted to nothing today. <laughs> of course. And also, uh, Mr. Marco Polo. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and I have one final question for you both. Uh, it's a little weird, but I like to end every show by asking my guests if they'd like to plug a comedy show or a funny Twitter account or anything else like that. Uh, yeah, you should go see Junior Varsity over at the Magna Theater on the Thursday nights at the 9 p.m. Also, check out the JaredBandstein.com. He's at the Twitter, is at the Just the Jared. It is really good. Oh, I have the perfect thing uh, on Thursday night. Before you go see Junior Varsity, go see. Uh... When does this come out? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, in that case, just. Uh, Follow at the Boris K on Twitter or Facebook. There's sketches and videos and stuff on there. And then you can through there find out where to see some live shows. All right. Sounds great. And if you have any questions or or if you'd like to ask, sorry, uh, if you have any questions you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We'll try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next month. Week. Close enough. Close enough. Famous dead people. Famous dead people.